Hello and welcome. This is Perspective for Parents. My name is Nick Thompson, and this is a podcast for parents of adolescents. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. The adolescent brain isn't defective. It is developing. Adolescence is a developmental period between childhood and adulthood. And this period of development, in my opinion, it doesn't get the respect that it deserves. And not just that. For so long, it's been misunderstood and often described in a negative way. And to make this point, when you search online for popular quotes on adolescence, much of what you will find is dismissive and pessimistic. And if you don't believe me, here are just a few examples of the top results. First quote, the troubles of adolescence eventually all go away. It's just like a really long, bad cold. Next quote, snow and adolescence are the only problems that disappear if you ignore them for long enough. And finally, Adolescence is just one big walking pimple. Okay, so I hope you can agree that many people's perspective on this period, it isn't all that positive. For the most part, our society sees adolescence as a time that you just need to get through. You know, you just need to survive it. And it's a strong belief of mine that this can become sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy for our youth. Because when we give off or communicate these deficit-based beliefs about adolescence, this will absolutely influence how our youth see this period of time, which in turn negatively impacts their expectations of this time, and ultimately the expectations that they have for themselves. Parents and other adults in the lives of youth, we can do a much, much better job in this area. It's a little bit cheesy. But I'd like to say that adolescence isn't just a time to survive, but it's actually a time where our youth can thrive. Okay, so to dive in a bit on this developmental period known as adolescence. On average, it starts at the age of 10 and ends around the age of 25. But here's a bit of education that I really want you to know, if you don't already. Adolescence is the second and final period of heightened neuroplasticity in the brain. Neuroplasticity is defined as the brain's ability to reorganize itself by forming new neural connections. Neuro, that means nerves, and plastic means easily shaped or molded. And it may be interesting to you, but we didn't always know this about the adolescent brain. Up until about 20 years ago, experts believed that the brain's development was pretty much done by the end of childhood. And it makes sense that this is what people would think because the brain reaches its full size around the age of 10. So people just thought, since the growth in terms of size, well, since that stops around the age of 10, so must the brain's development. But what scientists have learned in the last 20 years is that this is not the case at all, not even close. With the aid of new technology, scientists have found that the brain development that occurs in adolescence is not so much about growth, but instead, it's more about rewiring, a reorganization or I guess you could call it a major remodel of the brain. Okay, so I mentioned that adolescence is the second period of heightened neuroplasticity. The other period 
the first period occurs from birth to the age of three. And you may know this as parents, but this period gets plenty of attention. And yes, for good reason. But I do think that the second period of heightened neuroplasticity, known as adolescence, it doesn't get the attention it deserves. I think a good visual or indicator of this can be seen at a bookstore. The next time you go into a bookstore, as difficult as they may be to find, but the next time you are in a bookstore, check out the size of the section that is dedicated to the ages of zero to three. And once you've done that, head over to the section dedicated to adolescence. Most likely what you'll find is that that zero to three section, it's about four or five times the size of the adolescent section. And I think a main reason for this is because of how visual we are as human beings. Think about it. When you look at an infant, a toddler, it is obvious, visually obvious, that growth, that development are occurring and occurring rapidly. But when you look at a 16-year-old, 18-year-old, 21-year-old, it isn't so obvious that significant development is still occurring. You may see some 18-year-old dude who's like 6'2", has a beard, and think to yourself, yeah, that guy's brain probably isn't developing all that much, you know, changing in any significant way. But it is. It actually is. Don't let the facial hair fool you. And what's really important to know is that during adolescence, it's not just that the brain is developing. It's really about where it's developing. In Lawrence Steinberg's book, Age of Opportunity, great book, fantastic book, link in the show notes. In this book, Steinberg writes about the regions or systems that are developing during adolescence. He calls them the three R's of adolescent brain development. And the three R's he describes are, first, the reward system, second, the relationship system, and finally, the regulation system. So that first one, reward system. This is where we process rewards, pleasure, and punishment. The relationship system, this is where we experience and process information about other people and our relationship with them. I guess you could call it like uh, where we develop interpersonal intelligence. And then finally, the regulation system. This is where we develop self-control. It's where decision-making occurs. You know, weighing the pros and cons. And this is the system where all those executive functions reside. So those are the three main systems that are under construction during adolescence. And I hope you would agree that those are three pretty important systems. And speaking of important, here's something that I really want you to take away from this episode. Due to how long adolescence is, remember 15 years or so, this lengthy length is a huge reason to be optimistic about our youth's development. But it's also essential to know that this prolonged period of time can accurately be described as a double-edged sword. To explain this a bit, I'll share what I tell youth when discussing this. Okay, so with this heightened neuroplasticity, it's really all about what the adolescent brain is experiencing, what it's being introduced to, and what it's practicing during this developmental period. And to use an analogy, think of adolescence as the period of time that teams get to prepare for the Super Bowl. My apologies. I do realize I mainly use sport analogies. Sorry about that, but back to it. 
the teams that make it to the Super Bowl, they get two weeks to prepare, which is twice as long as they get during the season. And in this analogy, their previous game could be thought of as uh, childhood and the Super Bowl as adulthood. So the fact that they get two full weeks to prepare for the big game, this is advantageous because it gives them more time to prepare, to plan, and to practice so that they can be ready to show up and execute on Super Bowl Sunday. But now, let's imagine instead that the players from one of those teams didn't use the time all that well. For example, what if they didn't practice football, but instead they practiced at getting better at playing Call of Duty on Xbox? And what if they didn't focus on getting good sleep in order to rest and rejuvenate, but instead pulled a series of all-nighters? And what if they didn't focus on eating clean and healthy, but instead they capitalized daily on the return of the McRib and then washed that delicacy down the hatch with 30 ounces of orange Fanta? The point I'm trying to make is that if a team used the two weeks before the Super Bowl in the unhealthy way I described, the fact that they had extra time to prepare, well, that would actually be detrimental and not an advantage. Okay. So I think you get the idea, but the message that I want to communicate to youth when I share that, and that I want to communicate to you as parents, is that it's all about how you use the time, the time known as adolescence. It's about what is being practiced, what's being experienced, or maybe even what substances are being introduced during this period. And a little brain science here. Here's a quick one-minute video from Sentis. It explains neuroplasticity much better than I can and with a much cooler accent. A link for the full video is in the show notes. How does neuroplasticity work? If you think of your brain as a dynamic, connected power grid, there are billions of pathways or roads lighting up every time you think, feel, or do something. Some of these roads are well-traveled. These are our habits, our established ways of thinking, feeling, and doing. Every time we think in a certain way, practice a particular task, or feel a specific emotion, we strengthen this road. It becomes easier for our brains to travel this pathway. Say we think about something differently, learn a new task, or choose a different emotion. We start carving out a new road. If we keep traveling that road, our brains begin to use this pathway more, and this new way of thinking, feeling, or doing becomes second nature. The old pathway gets used less and less and weakens. This process of rewiring your brain by forming new connections and weakening old ones is neuroplasticity in action. All right, so I hope that simplified things a bit, especially if my Super Bowl analogy didn't land. And to make neuroplasticity even more simple, know that the strengthening of pathways can be described as use it to improve it. And the weakening or loss of pathways can be described as use it or lose it. All right, shifting gears a bit. So before that audio clip played, I mentioned substances. And on this topic, I'm going to share an experience I had years ago. I've been uh, quite hesitant to share this story on here. But you know what? I think it's time for some healthy risk-taking to occur. Okay, so here it goes. Several years ago, I was asked to come give a presentation to students at a high school here in Colorado. 
And the topic they wanted me to talk about was substance use. Just so you know, this isn't the easiest topic to cover in a engaging way, let's say, with high school students, especially in Colorado. So I'm there at the school getting ready. But before I went on, before I spoke, there was one other presenter who was way more knowledgeable on the topic than I was. But for whatever reason, this expert presented before I did. And to start their presentation, they showed a slide up on the big screen in that auditorium. And on this particular slide, there was just a huge number one. And once that was up there, the the presenter said, that number up there, that represents the fact that Colorado ranked number one, number one in the nation for marijuana use by high school students. And it also represents the fact that Colorado ranked number one in the nation for nicotine vaping by high school students. And this was when I knew I was in trouble. Big trouble. The student body responded to these rankings with one of the loudest ovations I've ever heard in my entire life. They were cheering. They were applauding these number one rankings. I sat there and witnessed a celebration going on in that auditorium. Many of the students were so moved, so inspired by this news, that they gave a standing ovation. Many were standing and high-fiving one another. And then many of them began to chant, We're number one! We're number one! So yeah, when I saw that, I knew I was done for. I was headed for disaster. These students were so riled up. Because of this, I knew, I knew that the presentation I prepared wasn't going to work. So I decided to ditch what I had prepared and instead take a much different approach. And I knew I had to get their attention right off the bat. So what I did was I started by saying this. And please don't shut this episode off after hearing what I said. I promise I'll explain why I said it soon. Okay, so I started my presentation by saying, If you have not yet started using marijuana, but it's something that you really want to try at some point, here's my offer to you. If you can wait until you're 25 years of age, contact me, give me a call, email me, because if you can wait until you're 25, here's what I'll do. I will buy you your first bag of weed. Total silence. This boisterous bunch of hundreds of students went silent and still in an instant. Many with their mouth agape. You could have heard a pin drop or a vape pen. And then when I looked at the teachers and other school staff standing in the back of the auditorium, I saw their reactions go from shock to concerned real quick. I'll never forget one of the teachers just actually like sprinted out the back doors of that auditorium. To this day, I wonder where he was headed. Best guess? He was on his way to uh, alert law enforcement. Okay, and I hope you're still listening. But right after I said what I said, I explained to everybody that I was joking. That of course, I would not actually buy them a bag of weed. But I said it to get their attention and to make a point. And the point I went on to make was that using drugs or alcohol during adolescence, when you do this, this can permanently change the brain's reward systems. And that repeated drug or alcohol use in adolescence can wire the brain to not only want 
to use substances, but it can actually wire the brain to feel that using substances is needed, that it is necessary, necessary to feel normal amounts of pleasure, necessary even to feel normal, to function. And that's what addiction looks like. I then went on to back this up with some stats. I shared that a consistent predictor of adult substance abuse and dependence is early usage of alcohol or other drug use. And when it comes to alcohol, the age at which you start drinking is associated with higher frequency of alcohol use and dependence in adulthood. I also shared that people who drink before the age of 14 are seven times more likely to develop a substance use disorder than someone who waits until they're 21. And that people who use nicotine on a regular basis before the age of 15, these people are much more likely to develop a dependence than someone who waits until late adolescence. Plus, there's so much research that shows that substance use during adolescence can lead to so many types, so many different types of emotional, social, and academic problems. So I tried to share a bunch of research to back up what I was saying. And my presentation that started with a provocative, maybe you would even call it a outrageous statement. This presentation closed with a very simple request. Simple, but not easy. Not easy for many. But the request I made to close was this. Wait. Please wait. Do all that you can to delay your usage. If you're sitting there and you're absolutely sure that you want to try a certain substance at some point in your life, please, please try to delay the delivery of that substance into your still developing brain. So that was my buy a bag of weed story. And I wish this would go without saying, but I think many people think, uh, therapist, Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, this guy probably smokes pot. But I don't. Just wanted to share that. So I hope you enjoyed that story. And even though I'm not allowed to ever return to that particular school, I did, and I will always stand by my message, the message that I closed with. And I stand by that message because it's backed by what we now know about the adolescent brain, the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for all those difficult and essential executive functions. This part of the brain, well, it isn't fully connected, or you could say fully online until around the age of 25. And you may find this interesting, but do you know who might have known about this even before the neuroscientists figured it out? The who go by the names of Hertz, Avis, and Enterprise. Yeah, I don't find it at all surprising that most car rental companies require someone to be at least 25 years of age to rent a car. Just thought that was interesting, so I wanted to share it. All right, but to close, I'm going to share the words of Jill Bolte-Taylor. She's an American neuroscientist, author, and public speaker. And I'll be sharing two different messages from her. The first will be a part of her message to parents, and the second will be the one that she gives to adolescents. All right, so here's what she tells parents. My advice to all parents is keep them alive till 25. Keep your kids alive till they are 25. End of quote. Okay, and her message to youth is this. Keep them alive until 25. Nurture 
the beautiful cells inside your brain until you are 25. We were taught that you will die with the brain cells you were born with, that you won't get anymore. But the brain is capable of growing some new ones along the way. We are capable of changing our thoughts and changing our brain. And this is the time to tend the garden of your mind, to nurture the beautiful cells inside your brain, the time for planting who and how you want to be when you get older. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you would like to find more information about this podcast or my upcoming presentations, please check out my website, perspectiveforparents.com. Spelled out, that's perspective, the number four, parents.com. Thanks again.